Hello and you are very welcome to Down There Doability. This is episode 46. I'm Darren McNicholas. And I'm Dan Airy. Dan, how are you? Um, hmm. Doing okay. <laughs> It's right. been uh, it's it's been a bit of a, a complicated uh, couple of weeks that I won't really get into right now, um, but we were back on campus in college this week, which is a bit weird in itself. Yes, uh, it is. I mean, okay, I suppose if you're just joining us, Dan is uh, has continued his college work and he's studying his masters. And mm-hmm. uh, where are we in the second semester of that? And mm-hmm. how yep. often have you been in college? Um, apart from apart from this week, the only other time I'd been on campus was the induction, which was back in October. That's nuts. Yeah, that's yeah. really bonkers. I don't think I I I don't think I could do with that. You know, I missed I'd, I'd missed the, the, the physical contact, and I I think part of what 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 are you missing as well though by not being there? Yeah. I mean, they're like, I, I suppose with, with the nature of it, because it is, um, for people that don't know, it, it's a master's in broadcast production for television and radio. So it is like, in essence, and by definition, a practical course, you know. So it has been, uh, it has been quite challenging to kind of try and adapt everything. Like we've had to adapt our assignments and um it's been uh, it's been stressful, but I suppose I'm I'm very grateful to be part of the group that I'm part of because uh, we're all like very supportive of each other and we're all like really really creative as well. So, um, like we had a we had an assignment uh, earlier on in the semester to do like a one minute um, kind of mini documentary, and we were all given the same brief and everybody's project was completely different. Good. I'm glad. Completely different. Means you weren't all copying each other. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But um it was just it was it was really, really nice to be able to kind of uh so I was on campus, we're recording this on a Saturday. I was on campus yesterday, so that was Friday and I'm back on campus on Monday. Right. And it's just been really nice to kind of get in and kind of um, and particularly, I suppose, what I've been going through over the past couple of weeks is just a nice kind of to get my mind focused on on something and like fully engaged in it as well. And mm. then to see everybody in the flesh as well has been, has been really, really nice as well. Yeah, have a conversation that's not over Zoom or across Teams or one of those many wonderful platforms. Although Absolutely. I will say, you know, uh, your your college has adapted quite well. They've even sent you out a mic. Yes, yeah. Uh, so you can record the bits and pieces you have to do at a, at a decent quality. And on top of that, we've been allowed to keep them. So. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going into that, Dan. Okay, because you know, <laughs> right, okay. Uh, you know, I, I know, I know how much these things cost because uh, I've had to pay for them. Uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not jealous. I'm not envious. I'm just not going there. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just because uh, I mean I. I Still, kind of keeping in touch with uh, some of the radio society in in, in college who have who we've left behind, um, mm. and just kind of, you know, the work they're having to do, and I I just I just fear for, you know, what people are actually going to learn. <laughs> yeah, um, like I I suppose there has been discussions about that kind of thing, but um, 
I suppose what I'm trying to convince myself is that like doing work like this in a situation like we're in at the minute is a skill in, in and of itself. Yeah. Well, actually, just a question on that though as well, Dan. Uh, it's just kind of leveling the playing field a little bit, putting, we'll say, the able-bodied community in a lockdown position that you find yourself in all the time. Um, I would hope so. It, well, when I say I would hope so, I, I don't mean that to come across. Um, yeah, I told you so. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, just same as me now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't mean that to come across it in that way necessarily. But what I mean yeah. by that is I've, I've, I've kind of always had the the opinion that I, I would hope that like post-pandemic, it's kind of given everybody... Uh, a reality check, I suppose, and the importance of um, particular people in your lives and like maintaining contact with people mm. and like um, particularly those that are like isolated and things like that. So I would hope that there's kind of uh, a social shift. Yeah, post um post-pandemic for sure I, I don't know whether that directly answers your question or no not really but I'm not going to ask the same question again because I'm not Marion Finucane or one of those kind of oh yeah tell me minister no that's not what I asked you just answer the question I asked no so I'm not going to I'm not going to keep asking the same question right right but listen I know you do want to talk about Jessica Long yes and this this, this we've been we've been kind of waiting to talk about this it's kind of every week we've been kind of you know we have a chat about Jessica Long, we just never got around to it. Mm -hmm. So tell us about Jessica Long. So Jessica Long is an American uh, Paralympic swimmer. She's a double leg amputee uh, below the knee, uh, which is a condition called fibular hemilia. If I'm if I'm getting that right, I'm, I'm leaving that with you, Dan. Yeah, I, I'm not going <laughs> to attempt that one. Uh, she's a four-time uh, Paralympian. She's got 23 Paralympic medals. That includes uh, 23 Paralympic, or sorry, 23 Paralympic medals, 13 gold, and 30 world medals, consisting of 24 gold. Um, and I'll, I'll so she can leave, swim. She can swim. She, absolutely, absolutely. And I'll just leave that there for for a second, um, before. I go on to the fact that she, even after everything she's achieved, um, has received abuse for parking in a disabled spot. So nobody's safe. Yeah. <laughs> and she recounted her story to uh, Krista Torres of BuzzFeed. And she said, I was never bullied as a kid and I didn't know that I was going to be bullied by adults because I park in handicap. And we should preface this by that saying that handicap is American. I wouldn't tend to. No, but it's, it's an, yeah, I know, but it's an interesting. Yeah, but, you know, we said disabled spot, they call it, you just call it a handicap. And that's, yeah, yeah interesting. We, mm. might look, we might look at the language of disability someday, Dan. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Uh, and she goes on to say, and I get it, I'm young, I'm athletic, but I'm also missing legs. And I know I can make it look easy, but it's still really hard. My legs are heavy. 
they hurt me. I'm in pain. So she goes on to kind of explain that she was missing uh, fibula bones and several several other bones in her lower legs. Um, she did have a little foot with three toes on each leg, but uh, her adopted parents, uh, she was born in Russia, her adopted parents um, amputated those when she was 18 months old uh, so she could be fitted with prosthetics. So she, she's saying like, that she's going, I ha, she has 13 Paralympic goals. I've been swimming since I was 10 years old. I've competed in four Paralympic games and I'm the second most de decorated US Paralympian of all time. And yet she's still getting this abuse. I get two to four comments per week, just going about my normal routine and parking in handicapped spaces. I've had people yell at me, leave notes on my windshield, knock on my car window or wait for me to get out of the car just to tell me I can't park there. Ridiculous. My worst experience today was an older couple that followed me around a grocery store and kept making comments because they wanted the, the handicap spot I took and said that I didn't need it. Like, <laughs> just yeah, let's have a scrap between uh, people with disability. My disability is more important than yours. Oh, I deserve it more than you do. Yeah, come over here, I kick you in the ass. I think that'll be such a so much fun. It's, you, can sell, uh, you can sell tickets for that in the foyer of, I don't know, the square somewhere. It's kind of, you know, who wants a parking space more? Me or you? Mm, let's find out. <laughs> Seconds away, round one. It, it, it's another version of your uh, what you were mentioning to. Absolutely, to yeah. Because I tell you, isn't it, isn't it great though, the amount of people that are coming out now saying, well, we should have the uh, uh, vaccine before everybody else because we just do this. You know, oh, good lord. I'm only saying, yeah. oh, good lord, because I know I'm going to be very last on the list, and that's fine by me too. I don't mind that. I'll wait. I can wait. I'm not special, <laughs> Dan. I'm not asking for anything in particular. But back to Jessica. Like, she even explained to, to that couple, she was like, I have prosthetic legs. And then they turn around to her and say, like, you're a liar. And it's like, it's one of those situations where you go, okay, first off, I know my own body. <laughs> like yeah, in those in those kind of situations, I I've been in in that in that situation uh, before, and I won't I won't go into into too much detail about it. But like yeah, and it's just kind of like, are you listening to what I'm saying? Kind of thing. Do you know that kind of way? Mm. Um, and she has six hundred and forty two thousand followers on tic on TikTok, fifty seven thousand on Instagram. And I suppose um, through her swimming and through her kind of um, sharing these stories, she, she's hoping to to uh, to make an impact. And I, I think she will. But it's interesting because she was saying that she is okay with being an inspiration, but like allow it, allow her to be an inspiration for her swimming and what she's achieved in swimming rather than, oh, I'm an amputee and I swim and I'm a Paralympian mm. kind of thing. You know, so that there's a very, um, and I, I think that like, can we, can people with disabilities not just be like inspirations for what they're doing rather than for the very fact that they're living their lives. And I think that that's something that, 
that we've discussed. Um, yeah, and I think we're going to keep discussing it, Dan. I think it's, you know, <laughs> I know we're going to be talking about a couple of other things, but they're all, it's all so connected. Yeah. You know, absolutely. we're going to be having a little chat later on about the history of uh, disability um, and, and a book about um, uh, disability and design. It's just all so connected now. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's mad. But do you TikTok yourself, Dan? I I don't I don't I haven't I haven't jumped on that bandwagon yet. No, do you? No, nor of Christ, no, Dan. Jesus, <laughs> it's for the young people. No, no, not for me at all. I can hardly spell TikTok. Never mind. I'm just getting over Instagram. I'm alright. I'm alright with Facebook, but Instagram, even Instagram, still hurts me head. You know, I don't know where to be going. Really, with the whole sort of thing, uh, you know. But yeah listen well we leave jessica there uh we wish her the best of luck and um you know maybe she should get a bigger sign or something or or wear shorts so people can see her uh prosthetic legs and then people will probably just maybe stop annoying her um yeah and and she mentioned there that she's going for for tokyo in yeah. in the summer so all the best for that if it happens Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, we actually get to see some people running around and swimming and stuff this year. It'd be great. So I did mention it there, Dan. Um, and it was something you brought up earlier this week when we were talking. Um, is uh, a podcast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from Peter White and the BBC uh, Radio Four. Um, now I know I know it's a little bit old, uh, being back in twenty thirteen and stuff like that. But uh, again, here we are. It's all connected. Still, still very, very relevant. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, we well, said Peter White is the. Uh, I don't know whether he still is, but he was the uh, BBC's uh, disability correspondent. He's blind himself. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know, at least he deserves to be in that position. You know, he has a disability. It's not been taken up by an able-bodied person. Yes. When we have that sort of carry on down with that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But. You made me listen to the first episode of it last night, and thank yes. God it was short. Yeah, that's you know? that's what that's why I know. I'm sorry, I, no I, pun no pun intended, Dan. But what was it mostly about? Dwarves. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, so it was short. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just went... you know what I'm I'm wasting an awful lot of jokes on you lately. I just, you know, I just see this blank look in your face, and 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 there's a ball of string in there somewhere. There's a mouse on the wheel going. Nah. Yeah, yeah. I it. must, I, I must admit, I've, uh, I've been, I've been falling, um, prey to yes, not getting woefully, some... woefully short, that woefully short, <laughs> woefully short. Yeah, yeah. But I, I am going to listen to the rest of them, hopefully. Um, yeah, and likewise. Um, yeah, because there was just there was a lot in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was actually something that was brought to my attention by uh, one of my lecturers in college. Uh, because I I done an essay last semester about uh, kind of the history of the Paralympics and kind of where it all started, and she kind of just got in touch with me afterwards and was like, "I found this series. Thought you might like it. Um, let me know what you think." Uh, type thing, and yeah, it, it was very interesting. And it was kind of he he talks about he kind of. It's called Disability and New History uh, on BBC Radio 4. And it's a series, and he kind of goes back um, without risk of like saying it 
it does exactly what it says in the tin, I suppose, um, in that it goes kind of way back to the beginnings of of disability in the uh, in the 18th century, which actually takes me back to my thesis in some ways. Um, and during those times, I suppose uh, society was in a in a position where um, illness and I suppose disability were a lot more common. And more definitely, definitely more prevalent. I suppose the chances of of becoming disabled yeah. were higher. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, health and safety hadn't been invented yet. Uh, yes, thank you, health and safety, for keeping us all safe and away from each other and not hurting ourselves. But clearly, you know, mm-hmm. there was plenty of good wars going on back in the 18th century and stuff like that. And lads were getting blown up and losing arms and legs and stuff. And pirates are, you know, and stuff like that with the peg leg and, you know, the hook for a hand. All those kind of things. Thank you, Disney. Um, you know, so absolutely, yeah. No, I think you know. So the part, part, point of he, okay, he didn't mention any of those things, but that's kind of what I took over. But right, I think the, yeah. the point of disability was more prevalent, and it, he kind of yeah. was started making the point it was a little bit more acceptable it, to some degree. Yeah, to yeah, not not acceptable to be disabled, but an acceptance of the disability, and because there was more people with disability. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I think uh, one thing that was mentioned was that there, there's, there still was kind of uh, a prevalence of kind of a, a mockery around disability, but it, it was very much a mockery of like, you're both kind of in on the joke type thing. Yeah, the same, the same community seemed to be uh, giving as good as they got. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, he, he talks about um like uh, as much as that was the case there w- there was still very much uh like we were talking a little bit earlier on about isolation there there was still very much this this culture of isolation around disability and the disabled community in general and he talks about um letters that people had to write to i suppose the town officials or or county yeah. officials or whatever. Looking, not much not much more different now then yeah looking for looking for um assistance and there was there was one there was one that uh, that caught my eye in particular that um uh, this dwarf the the name of the episode was the only dwarf in liverpool uh because essentially he was the only dwarf in liverpool at the time um or so he claimed so he claimed yes mm. yeah and he writes looking for money i think it is and he he basically talks about like when it's snowing he'd be because the snow is so deep he'd be drowning in the street yeah uh and a lovely just, way of putting it yeah you know could you imagine um, somebody writing that now we'd be appalled yeah and it was interesting because he, he did mention that like i suppose like 18th century comedy we might not find as funny, yeah, or as, we might not get it, or now. yeah. But um, I, I did think that was funny myself. <laughs> kind yeah, listening and kind of going. Um, I thought it was interesting though, because he had, he he he's kind of coming at it from um an academic 
standpoint. Yeah, he is back and he's backing it up there with academics and and, and people who've, you know, studied this sort of type thing. Uh, Not just a couple of yahoos doing a podcast going, oh, funny, yeah, really, yeah. You know, uh, there's actual actual people with letters after their names. Dr. Stan. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Very respectable individuals for sure. Um, But I I thought it was particularly interesting because um, he had one particular academic on uh, who, who had said he'd been an academic for 20 years and he'd been partially cited for um, for the past three years. I'm glad you clarified that because when we discussed this, you said he was, yeah, I, you, you had to clarify for me which three years he was uh, partially cited for. Whether it was <laughs> yeah. the first three years, the last three years, or just <laughs> kind of three random years in the middle. Yeah. Uh, that was one of the those other jokes that just, Went straight over yes, there. Yes. Yeah, and well, that was a good one too. Actually, I, I quite enjoyed that. One. It was, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I just find it particularly interesting that, like, now I, I could be wrong in, in saying it, but I, I don't know whether you'd agree with me in saying this that it, it sounded like that it was only after he, this academic, became partially cited that he started looking into because I, I think he had something like. He, he phrased it in some way by saying like he wanted to look into the experiences of people that were that were similar to himself like i i and it kind of i don't know whether it comes back to what you were mentioning about like having to like having a disability and automatically being an activist yeah possibly but doesn't i mean that's going to it's going to bleed nicely into the next thing we're going to talk about shortly, Dan, and the Making Disability Modern, the Design Histories book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the disability and the necessity, or is, is that what helps us create? Because there is a need. Um, do you know, I, I sorry, I, 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 it's going to, it's slightly off tangent, but, you know, there's always lots and lots of charities out there. Yes. Right? But a lot of the charities are set up by people who've lost people to particular illnesses or diseases or disabilities or yeah, those kind yeah. of things. You know what I mean? Like, so you could have 15 or 20 different charities for cancer, mm-hmm. you know, all effectively trying to raise money for the same issue of the umbrella of cancer, but it might be oh, breast cancer, leukemia, whatever, you know, all, all of the various different things, you know, but because it's what they want to set up, to honor their uh, lost family member or whatever, or our colleague or those kind of things. So, you know, if it doesn't touch your life, it's not a problem. Yeah. But it's until um, it arrives, then you start getting an interest in it. And do you think that's an attitude? Like maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a, a, like a bit too optimistic and saying that, that that might change. But do you, do you think there is like, a possibility that that could change going forward? Um, I think it might. I think there's a possibility it will. I mean, it, it kind of almost goes back to that cartoon we had where, you know, I'll clear the steps for you in your wheelchair in a minute once while you have the steps cleared. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you clear the ramp, everyone gets in. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so there is a there is a thought process that hopefully is changing. And like it is, it's the history of disability, I suppose, is the podcast that Mm -hmm. where he's talking about it. And then the next bit, which I think we're going to have to just go into, Dan, and just kind of ball it up into one big discussion, 
is The okay. Making Disability Modern, right? The Design Histories, which is a book by Bess uh, Williamson and uh, Elizabeth Guffey. Yeah. Guffey, lovely name. Um, you know, so <laughs> I haven't had a chance to read the whole book, right? I've only gotten through the, kind of through the, the, the preface. Uh, since we've had it, since we've had a chance to to talk about, um, yeah, and and likewise, I'm the same. Yeah. yeah so, but yeah. irregardless of what we've read or what we haven't read in the whole thing, uh, and actually, we think that's easy wheels on the front page as well, don't we? We do. We, we could do. be wrong. But we, we could be wrong. But I mean, in fairness, it looks like her. Um, you know, and it's a colorful wheelchair with a lovely kind of uh, cover on on the back wheel, right? But anyway, so the book kind of looks at the sort of. Uh, the, you know uh, how how disability has been uh, picked up from a design point of view, and mm-hmm. it's not something I'd given a huge amount of thought to. And I know I was laughing about Disney and pirates and R and hands and hooks and stuff and and peg legs and and sort of turn them into guns and all this kind of mad stuff, right? But at some point, it was somebody had to come up with something. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about the necessity and stuff, the wheelchair, then. Yeah, right? this is the one that I kind of went. Oh, yeah. Somebody had to design the wheelchair. Yep. Okay. Right. And and okay, it was a bloke. Fair enough. Uh, and his name was. Uh, well, not who said designed the wheelchair, right? But the wheelchair that we all know right now. Yep. Okay. A uh, guy called Herbert Everest. Right. He was an engineer, but he had an accident. Hmm. And he was paralyzed from the waist down. So. Yeah. His neighbour, who was another engineer, they kind of went, oh, this is a wheelchair. And here we ended up with this this wheelchair that you see everywhere. That standard wheelchair with the flippy-uppy footrests and tubular steel, chrome, couple of armrests, little handles at the back, little pad. Okay, design has changed over the years. But they cornered that market for 40 years. Yeah. But it was because this guy who's an engineer was paralysed. If it wasn't him, yes, surely to God it would have been somebody else would have come along. But maybe not. Maybe he would have ended up with a different thing. Um, or maybe it would have taken a bit longer. So it is sort of necessity. Yeah, and I, I, I was kind of, I was curious reading it kind of going because, um, was it Louis Armstrong? Might be getting the name wrong there. Coined the phrase, form follows function. Yes. And I was kind of I I was interested in reading that because it was kind of like at the time disabled people didn't really fit the norm in inverted commas. So then by default it was almost like, oh, they don't like exist. It's weird. So um yeah, it's just it's interesting why like Something negative in some sense has to happen in order for something to... to yeah, well, we take your wheelchair, for instance. Right? Yeah. Uh, it's designed around you, more or less. There's a basic chassis in it. Yeah. But the, the, the chair is designed around your needs, and one size does not fit all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and nor could, like, we couldn't put somebody else sitting in your wheelchair. They might get around for a little bit, but it's just not going to be... The, the bit that works for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and the language of disability and technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know you were, we, were, we were talking earlier uh, before this and we were talking about the iPad. Yes. It's an iPad. An iPad's an iPad, yeah. iPad's an iPad. But what does it become, Dan? 
it becomes an, a piece of assistive technology as soon as you repurpose it to like, I don't know, deal with um, voice recognition. It's still an iPad. Yeah. It hasn't like, changed. Not any more expensive either, mind you. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like Siri in the corner. Siri, yeah, turn on the old radio there, will you please? Put on uh, Today FM, I want to listen to a bit of Dermot and Dave. You know, but then suddenly it's in, it's in a person with a, with a disability. It's in their house. It's assistive technology. Mm-hmm. Is it? I don't know. But I think the whole, the, the, the design thing about where it comes from and the why of it, it's something I definitely, well, I'm, going, I'm going to continue reading about uh, because I yeah. think it's, it is terribly interesting. No, no, for sure, for sure, I I absolutely agree because I think like it, it's uh, it's a strange one actually for me because I suppose I I've been like involved in that area of like needing equipment design for me and yeah. and stuff like that over the years and it's not really something that I I kind of looked at and went okay this is a specific thing I suppose it just kind of happens. <laughs> so so to speak um and then i i suppose when when i was reading it, it kind of like splashes out into um like we have the medical model and we have the social model of disability that, that that's something that that we've discussed at length before um whereas you now have the design model which in and of itself is just as important as any of the others. Um, I, when I say any of the others, I should say just as important as the social model, because the medical model in my mind is is just not, it doesn't need to apply in my opinion, but that's mm. my opinion. Yeah, that's your opinion. You're entitled to your opinion, then. You can shove it up your... <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, it's it's. I, I agree with you. It's definitely something that I'm, I'm going to keep tabs on um going forward yeah sure. no it is because i think the yeah i mean even the conversation that we've had uh kind of back from the start there and 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 the language where the americans it's a handicap mm. and you know around here we're kind of going, you can't say that i mean that's almost a dirty word now mm. you know to a certain extent unless you're a golfer and kind of is really <laughs> as well if you're a golfer, you know. But I mean, I think you know, we it is something that we, we probably should look at, um, you know, into the future is the language of disability. And is that it's actually an, an interesting thing, and I personally am guilty of it myself. Like when you hear something like handicap or you like. I, I suppose for me, if if somebody was to say, "Oh, you're a cripple," that's like a no go. That's an absolute no go for me. Um, but like, I I do, as I said, I, I'm guilty of it as well. I do I do find that I kind of just I find that I hear some of these terminologies and they just kind of go over my head. Um, because like you kind of think, oh, just forget it um but then at the same time it's like if we don't keep tabs on it then it's just gonna get more you know become more prevalent and 
then there's always going to be people saying that, oh, you're being so politically correct and whatever. Yeah, possibly. Um, I, I'd be one of those people going, feck it off. You know, yeah. the whole woke sort of uh, element that, that's kind of come into and, and, and the cancel culture about mm-hmm. what you can and can't say. Um, no, absolutely. Because I, I just remember when I was growing up, disability wasn't really a thing. In, in the sense that you weren't exposed to it or just it wasn't a thing full stop? No, I, I don't think I was really exposed to it. Although, um, yeah, that's weird. I'm going to have to think about that one now. Um, yeah, come back in half an hour. Uh, <laughs> while I have a little snooze and think about that one. Um, no, do you know what, Dan? It really wasn't. I'm just going to think that like, none of my friends would have had uh, a physical disability. Um, right. You know, so there was nobody quizzing around in wheelchairs. Uh, electricity hadn't been invented, so we had no electric wheelchairs. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I definitely, not through my, we say, my primary education, secondary education, maybe to some extent. Um, okay. And I did. I, I know when I was kind of fifth, sixth, fifth, sixth year, whatever, I used to do a bit of work with um, the... Uh, Monster Special Olympics um, steward and that right. sort of crack. Um, yeah, it wasn't anything odd anyway. I know that. But I know the language around disability would have been very different. Right. Um, like there's words we probably would have used as kids. And not, not, not because of, di- of disabled people, but just words we would have used. You just don't use now. Right. Anymore. Because they're just... You know, you just you just simply don't use them. Oh, I'm gonna have to look into this a little bit more as well. Now that I'm gonna make a note of that to myself. Now is that look at the language of disability, and I yeah, go no, the next I... the next podcast. I'm gonna just spend ten minutes just saying word after word <laughs> after word after word. That's gonna be a great podcast. <laughs> no, but absolutely, like I I and it's something that I mentioned before that there's like certain words that for me that are like a no-go area but then at the same time I, I do think that there there's a balance that like we we have to strike and that you can't be like picking up everybody on everything because that's just like yeah I know yeah but I just sorry I'm just going to think about it. I got it next podcast then it's going to be just 10 minutes of me saying the word just getting a reaction moving on to the next one getting a reaction moving on to the next one yeah that's it that's I, I, I'm sorry I'm going to have so much fun with this Sounds good to me. I look forward to that. <clears throat> yeah. So Dan, I think that kind of uh, pretty much wraps us up. I hear some music in the background. Uh, that must be the end of us for this week. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yeah. I have been Darren McNicholas. This has been episode 46. I'm Dan Airy, and we'll talk to you very soon. <laughs>